Hi, Eric. Hello there, Aaron. How many people do you think died during the entire witchcraft hysteria in like the 1600s? In Salem specifically? No, 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 no. Across all Europe? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. And um, I would guess it's, we're talking like about, a, you're giving me about a hundred year period here? Yeah, that's about right. Um, I would say just south of a thousand. Oh, that's a good guess. I've actually asked this question to a few, pe few people. Yes. I got anywhere from hundreds to, um, well, about hundreds, right? Uh -huh. 60,000 people Whoa, died. Brian Levac, uh, there's an estimate here on Wikipedia um, under the title of the article named Satan. That's part of the Satan article? Yeah, it is. That's interesting. Yeah. So if there was a, <laughs> this is great. In the, late teen, in the late 1500s, the Dutch demonologist Johann <laughs> Weyer argued that witchcraft did not exist, but that Satan promoted belief in it to, witch, to lead Christians astray. Oh, that's, but the panic still kept going. It's a compelling argument. The, the thing I like that about that is that you could have a profession, mm -hmm. and that profession could be demonology. Demonology. <laughs> well, you know, if, if no one is going to uh, be an expert in something, then no one is an expert in it. What are we talking about today? Um, the devil. Yeah, let's talk a bit about the devil. So can I tell you why I thought this might be an interesting, um, an interesting topic to yeah. do a show on? It was j I was listening to conference, as I am wont, mm -hmm. and to various talks, which I was enjoying, and I just noticed that I, th and, this was, and this was me just thinking, I thought that I was hearing the word Satan more often during conference. Satan. Yeah. And that I was hearing the adversary because a lot of times you will hear talks. The where, adversary. Yeah, yeah. yeah You'll hear talks one. saying that, uh, you know, don't you know, Satan will tempt you and try you, and you will have to resist, and you can become a good person if you ignore <clears throat> the trials and so and so forth. Yes. And and maybe and I and I was curious as to whether that was that whether it was just me, whether mm -hmm. it was some recency bias, right? Something right. I had just noticed, and you just were just was, finally prepared to yeah, hear. And I just started hearing it everywhere, or if it was really something that was true. Yeah, Mormons have an interesting relationship with Satan, that is very different than other churches. Yeah, uh, he is our brother. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, is it just me, or have you uh, have you heard, have you noticed this so too, or maybe maybe it is just me? So this, I think I said this when we did the millennial episode. Uh huh. Um, I think that in the Nelson era, we're hearing more millennial talk. And by millennial talk, I also mean end of the world talk. Yeah. And by end of the world talk, I also mean the devil. Yeah. So, yes. Although I had not thought to break it down by category. Like, yeah. all that, like, doom and gloom strikes me as millennial writ large. And so I hadn't really separated the devil out separately from that other stuff. I did try to go do some statistics. You gave me a website to do so. Yes, I did. But that website stopped working, unfortunately. It's oh. LDS-conference- Yeah, I have it open right now. Uh, maybe I, it worked for you. I have stats for Satan, the adversary, and devil. What do you see? So Satan, <clears throat> so keep in mind these numbers that I'm quoting are for a full decade. Uh -huh. So from the conference talk, April 1970, to the conference talk, final conference talk of uh, October 1979 is the 1970s. Yeah. But Satan peaks in the 1970s, going from the 1850s to the 2010s. Satan, 478 mentions in the 1970s. Second most common decade, 1960s, 304. In the most recent decade, 234 mentions in general conference. Uh huh. So maybe it is. The adversary, however, peaks in the 2010s. Uh huh. 168. That is a big leap over the 2000s where there was only 99, and that was the second most common. So this is the website that, what it does is it searches conference talks. That's right. It's a, it's a, it's a uh, starts with a C. Corpus? Corpus, yes, is the word they use here, and that is an accurate word, but I was looking for a different one. But yeah, it's a corpus of all the words that have been said in general conference. Yeah. Uh, the devil, however, is only 71 in the 2010s, which is an all-time low. Hey. That one peaks at 709 uh -huh. back in the 1850s, the first dec decade of record. 709, wow. 709, so devil is way down. Way down. Satan is... Uh, not its historic high, but the adversaries through the roof. Yeah, a bit of a euphemism, isn't it? Do you it? think this is J.K. Rowling's fault? 
Oh, um, yes. Yeah, I think it might be. So, I'm just, no, I have no idea. Why oh, would you say so? Oh, I'm not saying that her books are demonic and we should burn them. Yeah. What I'm saying is she really made popular this idea of the one who should not be named. Oh, interesting. I wonder if on some, sub, some subconscious level we don't say things anymore. Well, it does make me uncomfortable. This whole topic makes me uncomfortable. And one of the reasons I wanted to go ahead and go through with it is because uh -huh. I don't know why. And I thought it may be worth working out why it's so uncomfortable to talk about El Diablo like as a, as a Mormon. Yeah. Because um, let's be clear, as members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, we believe in the adversary as well. Yeah, I but we think don't we talk do. about him. We very don't much. talk about him very much, except that we do based on this well, he on conference a, talks. Yeah, he has a character in scripture, but he's a complicated character. Mm -hmm. um, like in Moses, you know, he tells Moses to like fall down, son of man, and worship me. Yeah, which is fairly similar to the experience Jesus has with Satan in the New Testament, um, but it's very different from who Satan is, say, in Job, where he plays this more attorney-like role representing one side of the issue, which is my understanding of the, the word Satan in Hebrew, is that it has this sort of prosecutorial tinge to it. Um, in seminary, we just started Second Nephi, and um, we were reading chapter one, parts of it in class today. As you know, the Book of Mormon loves this little thing about, if you keep my commands, you shall prosper in land. If you will not, you'll be cut off from my presence. This is uh, Nephi's the first one, at least in our version of the Book of Mormon, Nephi's the first one to hear that, and it gets repeated ad infinitum. Um, so in 2 Nephi chapter 1, verse 18, he warns, Lehi warns his children that um, a cursing will come upon you for the space of many generations uh, as you are led according to the will and captivity of the devil. Mm -hmm. um, I think the thing that makes it most clear that we absolutely believe in a Satan of some sort is the section of the Doctrine and Covenants that tells you how to identify yeah. a righteous or an unrighteous spirit. Yeah. This is also this is also one of our fantastic um, one of our one of our interesting beliefs. Yeah. Yes, it is kind of a. Uh... So I'm holding in my hand, Aaron, a book by D. Michael Martindale titled Brother Brigham. This is a novel. Um, it's a Mormon horror novel. Oh. Uh, it was about 20 years ago. It was something that was always being talked about in online Mormon lit circles as sort of the great unpublished Mormon novel and proof that there are really good Mormon writings out there that aren't getting published. And it, I think it's one of the main reasons that Zarahemla Books got started was so that this book that everyone seemed to agree was great could be published. Um, I didn't like it that much. <laughs> um, but I do think it's a very interesting idea. The, the idea is that this LDS fellow is visited by Brother Brigham as an angel. Okay. Um, and Brother Brigham gets him to do things. And um, at first they seem like good things, but as time goes on, like as he's reinstating polygamy and some other stuff, like stuff goes down the wrong road. And eventually it ends up that Brother Brigham is not what he seems. Uh -huh. um, and the, the line I wanted to read to you, and I'm having a very difficult time finding, even though I know it's in chapter one, is when Brother Brigham first appears, uh, he remembers that he should um, offer to shake his hand. And Brother Brigham's like, sure, I guess if you want to. Is that what you want? Like, is that necessary? And, and he makes, makes the hero fuss. feel stupid. <laughs> and he's like, oh, okay, I'm fine. And, and, in the context, like the way the dialogue works, it feels like, oh, well, that sounds like Brother Brigham. Uh, but he's the devil, uh -huh. as it ends up. And if you shake the devil's hand. Yes, you won't feel him. You won't feel him. He's that's not the, really that's there. What it says in the, that's what it says in the Doctrine and Covenants. That is what it says, yeah. yeah. That's how you test. You ask to shake their hand. And an honest spirit uh, will not shake your hand, and a lying spirit will. And a resurrected being will shake your hand, and you'll feel a hand. Yep, because he's, he's, a, he's a real thing. <laughs> I, I love that part of the DNC because um, so some uh, so much of the DNC is practical stuff yeah. like this, right? You know, just so you know, if you ever actually meet a devil, this, this is, is what you should do. This is what you should do. I think yes. that's, I think that's really great. Is it terribly likely? Maybe not. <laughs> but uh, we all know what to do. People used to be really, really worried about it. 
right, about meeting a devil. They were thought they were worried about possession. They were worried about you know walking down the road. Walking down the road. They were worried about getting into you and like making you do stuff. Yeah, um, and this is what was interesting to me is that. Satan peaked in the 70s and not in the 80s. If, if it was going to peak in my lifetime, I would have guessed the 80s. Uh, when I was a kid, there was this book called Jay's Journal, which allegedly took place in Utah. It was a it was an anonymously written book written by the same woman who who wrote um, was it Don't Tell Alice? Uh, let me let me check my notes real quick. Make sure is one. Of, do you know that? Have you heard of Don't Tell Alice? Mm-mm. Yeah, Go Ask Alice. Sorry, she's the same woman who wrote Go Ask Alice, which is a book about. Um, a troubled teen and getting into sex and drugs and so forth. Uh, she wrote a number of these anonymous books, allegedly based on real people. And Jay's Journal is about a Utah teenage boy who becomes a Satanist and all that that implies. And this was a book that was handed around the mothers of Montpelier, Idaho in the 1980s. Really? My aunt had a copy and she lent it to my mother who read it and was very careful to keep it away from us children handed it on. We heard them talking sometimes. This was the great threat. This was the great worry that all our kids would be Satanists. Wow. Um, and, and I didn't know anybody who listened to Slayer. I was going to say, were, you, were, you, were they right? <laughs> um, to the best of my knowledge, none of us became devil worshippers. Okay. To the best of my knowledge. It's so funny because I react to that with with scorn, but I think that they were actually really worried about they it. They were genuinely worried about it. Like, um, yes, I can't really think of anything else that worried my parents or my mother specifically quite mm-hmm. so much as the Jay's Journal era of the 1980s, mm-hmm. Idaho. It remind this all reminds me of Chick Tracks a bit. Okay. Yeah, you know what? You know what I mean by those? Um, I that word sounds really familiar. So they were um, short evangelical gospel tracks. Oh, yes. By Jack, Absolutely. By oh, Jack there's Chick. some great ones with the devil. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I love those. There's, because there's some there's anti-Mormon so the ones. Yeah. Right? Just cannot take them seriously. Right. Here's one that says, they led us into stuff we found in the Harry Potter books. Tarot cards, Ouija boards, crystal balls. Dungeons and Dragons, Aaron. Yeah, exactly. I got to watch that on Saturday morning TV a couple times at my grandma's house, but I had to make sure nobody knew. So, I think it's fair to say that... Um, Various, uh, the various churches, including ours, have different relationships with, with El Diablo, Profundo, and <laughs> um, I think ours is a bit unique, because you're right. We mm-hmm. do believe that Satan is our brother. There is an interesting thing that happened to Mitt Romney. Well, there's an interesting thing that happened to him today. Just, just today, <laughs> just, yeah. <laughs> we'll go, go into that. But Mitt Romney, um, in 2008, there was a bit of a kerfuffle between Mike Huckabee and... This was like in 2007. I have so many Huckabee published. stories from 2008. Yeah. Okay. I Mike, think I know which one you're going to do. But this is the New York Times, out. right? Mitt, okay. This is, is it, does the brother come up here? Yeah, that's yeah. right. So Mike Huckabee insists he spoke out of ignorance. This is the New York Times. Uh-huh. Not malice against the faith <laughs> of Republican rival Mitt, Rom- Mitt Romney when he asked, don't Mormons believe that Jesus and the devil are brothers? Well, the last 12 years, Mike Huckabee's upstanding behavior as a kind and gentle person has proven that claim correct. <laughs> oh. Wait, I feel like I'm missing something here. <laughs> he's, he's just There's no polite words that belong on our podcast to describe the kind of person that Mike Huckabee has become in the last oh, 12 that's years. That's too bad. He after, stopped he, pretending. He pretty much fell off my radar immediately yeah. after that whole thing was over. So, well, anyway, yeah, you, you, and then... This article by Lori Goodstein from 2007, which we'll include, mm-hmm. it's, it says that Americans are notoriously uninformed about faiths other than their own. They are particularly perplexed about Mormon beliefs, right? Yes. And the idea is that, well, I mean, Huckabee kind of got it a bit right here, but it's really not how we... It's intentionally misleading. It's intentionally misleading. Even if it, we might agree with the... It's more like we believe we're all... Um, uh, spirit children, right? But yeah. there's been a big separation here. Also, if I may... You may. Uh, the same time this was happening, there was a story on NPR about Huckabee and how he peppered his speeches with um, references to the Bible. And they went to Huckabee's supporters and just... And I believe I believe there were people at the Republican National Convention, maybe? I don't know. We would have to look at the NPR story to find out for sure. It wouldn't be that hard to find, I don't think. But um, And ask them, like, okay... Who are these people from these stories? And I forget the specific stories, but the short of it is 
all these professed Christians didn't know the Bible stories he was collecting. They finally found someone who knew all the stories. That person was a Mormon. <laughs> um, so, like, Huckabee, it's not just true that people don't know other faiths. They don't know their own faiths. And, I, and I, I'm not saying this is like I'm a better than other people thing. I think there's a lot of to, room to learn. And I think one of the things we see in American culture right now is this idea of it's dangerous to not be right all the time. And, yeah. Well, let's, then let's learn. What do we actually believe about um, Lucifer, uh, the son of the morning? Um, you know, it's a good question. What do we believe? I, I Honestly, like, as I started to drill down on this topic, I didn't know. I decided I didn't really know. Um, like, what do we believe about him? It's a good question. It is a good question. Because, um, uh, and as part of that, I, I reached out on Twitter uh -huh. and asked people, um, what do you think about Satan? Um, I'm just going to read the first tweet replies. Some of these turned into conversations. We'll share the tweets in our special features, but I'm just going to read the initial responses people gave. I don't love the pit, pitchfork horns depiction of him, but to be honest, I'm not crazy about the suave, glamorous, smooth talking depiction either. The guy who tells me when things are good, I don't need Jesus, and when things are bad, that Jesus won't take me. Better fix it on my own. I don't think we need Satan at all to explain human moral failings. The concept of Satan seems a bit of a cop-out to me. The externalizing blame in a he-made-me-do-it sort of way. But it makes for a metaphor that is easy to teach those unacquainted with human psychology so useful. I think we blame a lot of our own faults on Satan. I also think we as a people invoke him more often and more truly than we do God sometimes. This one I want to drill down on. Okay. Should I keep going? Or keep, should we keep going and we'll come back to that one. A real being. We don't need Satan to explain evil. A really effective metaphor for our baser instincts. I think he's good at his job, but we also make it really easy for him. He ain't heavy, but he's my brother, which is funny. <laughs> um, a nice photograph of Michael Balaam. So, okay, that was my favorite tweet. Whoever yeah. did that one, props to you. Yeah. Michael, is it Balaam or Balaam? Willie DeFord. Oh, I actually don't know. Yeah. So, I just um, know him as Satan. <laughs> yeah, right? At Will Horse Thief. One of the we best looking, tweet. One of the best looking uh, yeah. <laughs> fellas out there. You know Michael we, Ballum. You know what's on the wall right behind you right now? Oh, as we okay. sit in the dungeon of the Berkeley Hall, yeah. Berkeley Ward Library. Go ahead. Um, a special evening with Michael Balin. Oh, okay. It's a tape? We could, we could toss it in the VCR when this is over. Oh, that's great. <laughs> He's a piece of my subconscious that the church taught me to think of as a monster, which ended up causing a lot of avoidable self-hatred that I'm now healing from with the help of therapy and healthy relationships. Mm hmm I think I dated him once. <laughs> um, a nice quotation from Calvin Hobbes, which I'm not going to read, but you can swing over. Right, I assume. And find, no, just because I don't think it's good to read comics out loud. Like, no, it doesn't work. They are a marriage of image and words I just don't like. I won't do it for my kids either. Just read them yourself. <laughs> um, and and that's it. I think that's that's all of them without getting deeper. So the thing I wanted to drill in on was the one that it talked about. Um, like we blame fear. our own faults on Satan. Yeah. And we invoke him more than we invoke God. Yeah. But the my friend Adam who said that. At AKK Figueira. That looks perhaps Portuguese. <laughs> so, um, yes, we need to be, uh, yes, we do tend to um, blame things, I think, on Satan that are either actually due to just bad luck yeah. or to our own failings. And this guy that mentions, like, it's been really hard to deal with this yeah. worry, this fear of the devil that um, had to go, th like, like really it's caused work a lot of avoidable self-hatred. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that doesn't change the language that they use in conference talks, though. So the language is, you know, um, beware the adversary and mm -hmm. you know seek unto God so so you know what are we what are we actually supposed to be doing here so returning to the previous topic what do we actually believe there is a Bible dictionary entry on the de devil yes not canonized but um, authoritative regardless yeah latter-day revelation confirms the biblical teaching that the devil is reality and that he does strive to lead men and women from the work of God Right? Yes. Um, we believe in that they have spirit bodies, right? Mm-hmm. There's this interesting and really creepy thing that I always had as a kid that they're just everywhere. 
the followers. Right. That they they there's the story they tell of um, somebody I remember some make believe person has a vision right and sees the devils and there's this one guy who only has like one devil sort of vaguely paying attention to him and another guy who's beleaguered with devils. You're not talking about like screw tape letters, are you? You know, this, I think this also shows up in the Screwtape Letters now that you mention it. I believe it does. By it's been a long Lewis. time since I read them. Yeah, but the version I'm quoting does not, but I, I think it does. I believe you're right. Yeah. Um, anyway, the guy having the vision in this version says, oh, clearly that man is very righteous because he only has the one devil and the angel who's showing him. He says, oh, 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 no, you're wrong. He only needs one devil to keep him. It's that other guy with all the devils who's the righteous one because it takes all the forces of hell, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I believe that does come up in so, Screwtape also. Look. I think that this conversation engenders fear. And sure, I think that when I was doing self-introspection on in prep, why don't I want to have this conversation and record it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Speak of the devil and there he is. Yeah, is because of this fear and I, and I finally really figured out where most of it comes from. Yeah, okay? If you go to the temple, yeah, yeah. The <laughs> devil will look you in the eye at the end of the ceremony. Right? Yeah. And and warn you. And it was played by Michael Pollan. <laughs> right? For many years. And uh, he did a, just a fantastic job. And and I was a teenager the first time I went to the terror <gasps> to the temple. His and, name is clearly descended from Baal. <laughs> oh my gosh, Aaron. He is the devil. I'm sorry, go ahead. Anyway, it is just a bit terrifying, that's all. Yeah. So, wait, well, some people I've heard react to this saying, okay, well, that's fine, but I'm just going to be good, and this is just good motive not to. Yeah. Um, when I was a child, and by child I mean maybe I'm 14 in the story, yeah. maybe. I don't remember exactly. And I was in the temple, which is sacred and sanctified, a place the devil may not enter. Yeah. Um, and I had what we might call an untoward thought. Mm-hmm. And it was distressing because it couldn't have come from the devil which means that it only could have come from me, which means I'm bad. <laughs> um, yeah. And the thing is, like, the devil, like, one thing we can do with the devil is externalize all our own faults and say anything that is bad is not us, right? It's, it's Satan. Um, I think that's kind of a dangerous way to look at it. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, so this was just really interesting about the um, about when I where that my discovery of where I think this particular part of the temple ceremony was one of the things that always kind of got to me. I, I'm not criticizing it. Mm-hmm. I actually think it's a I think it's powerful and I think it's motivating. I think that I think that the rest of the temple ceremony, which is about God and Adam and Eve and about um, how how we need to progress and about Jesus Christ. I think these are all valuable things, and so to have this opposition at a critical moment in the in the ceremony, I actually think is very powerful. Literarily, yes, <laughs> I actually think it's quite good. Yeah, um, it's the best role. But I think this does. Yes, yeah. it is interesting you, that you say that. Yeah, I remember going through it live in the um, in the mm-hmm. through the Salt Lake Temple. Have yes. you done a live um In Manti, I have yes. A live uh, just before mission, and the. Um, the, and it was, of course, played by old, 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 old men and women. Old people. Yeah. <laughs> and the old dude that played the devil, was, he just was so sincere and was, like, really making sure all the lines landed in the right way. Mm. It was just really compelling. It was really, It was really cool. Um, so, but, okay, let's return to maybe to the psychology of it for, for a moment. Okay. Right? Um, First, just as a general statement, isn't it? Isn't this belief in the devil fascinating, right? Sure. Just as a scientist, just as a, <laughs> as. Is it any more fascinating than a belief in God or anything supernatural? I think so. Well, not more fascinating, but mm-hmm. I think it's worthy of conversation on its own. Lots of people believe in God. Okay? Yeah. And even 500 years ago, people really didn't believe in the devil the same way that we do now. Right. Be- uh-huh. To be fair. We believe in an apostasy, you know, and things like that, where we didn't know as much as we know now. But back then, the devil was a trickster. Yeah. Right? A guy who would literally kind of fart around. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you read the, read, the, read the Wikipedia article on him, the early history of the, of the devil. He was laughable. Yeah. 
There are a lot more jokes in the Old Testament. Maybe because humor doesn't survive the passage of time as you well. Think there's as... jokes in the Old Testament? Oh yeah, I think Jonah's entirely a joke. Like I think the whole thing is just a laugh. Yeah, yeah. The Book of Jonah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah I completely do. I um, and having read about it, I'm I'm pretty convinced that historically that's what it is. It's a joke, and um, and if you look at how Purim is celebrated today, like like the bad guys in the Esther story are jokes too. They're so over the top. But one of the problems with the passage of time is humor does not age well. Speaking to someone who teaches Shakespeare every year, like humor does not oh, dude. age well. And so something that's a joke 3,000 years ago, um, we don't get the joke and we can't tell the difference. So lots of, lots of other folks don't believe. So lots of other, yeah. other religions either don't believe. Modern liberal Christianity. Has kind of gone away from this. Yeah. We believe in God, mm -hmm. right? And we believe that the Bible is a lot of good stories, Yeah. right? Not all of it's literally true, right? I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm saying we believe as in the context of some of our contemporaries and other religions. And just have decided to ignore the devil. Yeah. Um, if And and, and just not, not believe. Um, I think that's, I think that's interesting. And then the, you have us, which I think we have kind of a clinical understanding of him yeah that's an interesting way to put it yeah um yeah i i don't i think one of the reasons i'm having a hard time is because i don't think there's a consistent way we talk about it there are people who are very concerned about the devil mm -hmm. and there are people who just dismiss the devil as powerless and there are plenty of mormons who i don't think believe in the devil um Look, I was one. I, I never was one of them, but mm -hmm. I mentioned the story about the temple when I was a, when I was a teenager, right? But over the last decade, mm -hmm. I haven't hardly given um, given it any thought at all. I only thought this might be fun to talk about when I just noticed this like trend. In conference. In well, conference. tell us your reaction to Sunday, last Sunday. Last Sunday we had ward conference. We did, right? and we had um, a, some some really good talks. We did, and. And during one of the leadership talks, we had quite a bit—not uh, quite a bit, but the—but the in both, in a couple greater of talks, than zero, greater than zero men mentions of the devil and the adversary, um, in the same kind of way that we hear in conference. In fact, these talks sounded a lot like conference talks. They were, in other words, they were yeah. very good. Yeah, <laughs> they were polished. <laughs> and but um, yeah, this kind of in passing, you know, don't. Don't succumb, you know. Be aware. Fall, cleave unto God to avoid His temptations. That kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, so, my reaction was just a, re a, you know, a recency bias, perhaps thing, where I just <laughs> was reconfirmed that I think I'm hearing it more. Yeah, I think one thing about the devil, and this is something John Milton discovered when he wrote Paradise Lost. Weird poem, by the way. I saw a couple yeah. stanzas of it. It's yeah. Um, my grandfather, who drove truck for a living, never went to college, loved Paradise Lost. Mm. Read it over and over and over again. Had dozens of copies, all of which were marked up. Mm. Um, it rewards rereading. Like, it's intentionally dense. It's not a light read. It's not designed to be fun to read at all. But <clears throat> one, thing that, one thing that happened to Milton is he made this poem, and it's really just a setup for Paradise Regained about how great Jesus is. But in order to have a hero, you need a villain, and Satan takes Paradise Lost and runs with it. He is the best, most interesting, exciting, fascinating character, and everybody else is like Adam and Eve are kind of stupid, and God is kind of boring. It's, the devil's where it's at. Mm -hmm. Satan is the most interesting character, and um, I don't know how Milton really felt about that. That wasn't his goal. And I think this is one of the reasons people are leery of talking about the devil, and I mean, even in the endowment. The devil's the most interesting character. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, yeah, I think that's not inaccurate. I mean, he's the only one with personality, it seems like. Yeah. I mean, Eve has personality, and Adam has personality. They, they're developing personality. In every yeah. version, they get a bit more personality. Mm -hmm. Peter has a bit of personality, if you look for it. Yeah, yeah. And yet, when he's dismissed, every mm -hmm. time in the endowment, yeah. I'm just like, yes, <laughs> got him. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, this is also interesting, too, because 
we uniquely among Christians are enthusiastic about the fall. Yeah. We think it's great. We think it's good. Um, full disclosure, dear listener, um, Eric and I started this conversation on the devil without having any idea where we were going. <laughs> you, which you might be able to tell. Um, As opposed to some episodes where we think we have a real thesis. Here, I was just mainly interested in talking about this trend I'd noticed and seeing if there was anything... Well, I think the devil is as interesting an idea to explore as any other. And this might be one of the situations, like when we talked about Heavenly Mother, where it's the job, maybe not of the prophets to tell us what to think, but it's yeah. the job of the poets to oh, provide us a way to think about it. That's interesting you should say that. Can I just say, I don't think there's any call to action in this episode. In previous episodes, no. we've done, we've, I think we've had clear call to We're action. We're not going to tell you to go out and learn more about the devil. I'm actually quite okay. happy with the amount of teaching that I get at church, which is essentially zero. I'd much rather spend all of my time at church reading about Jesus Christ. Yeah. And about we are a pro-Jesus podcast. Yeah. But, you know, like others in the dialogue <laughs> podcast family, <laughs> which you should check Jesus out. over devil. Yeah, that is right. our philosophy. <laughs> but, but here we have this opportunity to just talk about random stuff. So let's do it. So here's a poet for you. Okay. This is Noam Chomsky, who, uh, not his real name, uh, Mormon, younger than me, uh, part of the archive, which we mentioned in our last episode. Uh, he posted a short story on their website called The Vision. And it's about the first vision, but it ends with the beginning of the first vision. It's told in a Lovecraftian voice, and it's largely about Joseph walking into the grove and his encounter with Satan, mm -hmm. of which the real Joseph wrote the least. And this is an intense experience. And it's a really good story. Um, and I think what I like most about it is I feel like the devil tells the truth. Uh, because I think this is the most interesting thing about the devil is when he is truthful to us. Um, well, he's notoriously not truthful. Yes, but he only gets away with it because he tells the truth so much. Mm -hmm. Like in this story, for instance, he tells Joseph Smith how much it's going to suck to be Joseph Smith mm -hmm. and how God calls his prophets and then they end up having miserable lives and horrible deaths. That's all true. That's a pretty fair assessment of what God does, allows to happen to his prophets. And of course, the devil's spin on it is not the spin you or I would bring to it. But um, as opposed to just a darkness and a feeling like you're choking that Joseph Smith would reduce it to, this makes the devil into something kind of terrifying. And you realize, like, maybe he is a real threat. Um, Lehi says that there must need to be opposition in all things, which implies, implies that the opposites are maybe equal to each other. Mm -hmm. But that's a problem. Mm -hmm. Because the devil doesn't have a body, and we say that's important. The devil doesn't have a counterpoint to God. His counterpoint is really Jesus, I would say. Yeah. Um, it, so and how the much power be are we going to give him? And yeah. And so if there must needs to be opposition in all things, do we need that much opposition? Like, is it okay for the devil to just be a little pipsqueak that runs around and, and, and squeaks things at us? Or does he need to be a terrifying person, like in the Chomsky story? Uh, this is such a great question. I mean, you have to think long, long ball here, right? Okay. At some point, you know, all the people who are going to go through this earth life are going to have gone through this earth life, right? Sure, that seems reasonable. Yeah. And barring, barring certain caveats we discussed in an earlier episode. <laughs> <laughs> the timing of it is interesting. Yeah. So, but um, we, we, you know, the DNC clearly states that they'll be just be shut out and kind of cast out and their influence essentially will end. Yeah. Would you say that? Yes. So opposition in all things is maybe not a permanent state. It's but just not a, a permanent state. A not, state for, of, not forever. I have mean, you been watching The Good Place? Oh, holy smokes. I haven't seen the last episode, okay. but... Yeah, The Good um, Place. Um, it's dealing recommend. with this question. Yeah. Like, what is an eternity without opposition? Yeah. Or without growth? These are super Mormon questions. Yeah. So, yes, I agree. So the, the opposition... There has to be opposition in all things. Um, which, by the way, is also, uh, I think, in some way, ways, an LDS Christian point of view, right? Mm -hmm. We say that there must be opposition in all things. Where if you read, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reference Paralandra again by okay. C.S. Lewis, uh -huh. in which Venus is an unfallen planet, right? And the fact that the devil won oh, yeah, yeah. on Earth uh -huh. is bad, but on Venus he doesn't win and is beaten. And mm -hmm. that becomes a much better world because there is no opposition. This is why literature is so important. Like, right? 
It's the human laboratory. Yeah. She can't do it in real life. Yeah. And so we disagree with this assertion. We think that the we we say the fall is one of the pillars of mm -hmm. salvation, meaning that it's critical. It's just as important as anything else. Yeah. Um, of course, you could maybe ask, was the devil needed for the fall? And that's an interesting question. I don't think we have an answer for that. Um, go ahead. Well, I mean, in popular culture, and a couple examples, like we could start, we could start anywhere, but um, like I'm going to mention a couple things. 1929, the Disney Silly Symphony Hell's Bells, mm -hmm. which is great, frankly, uh, super satanic. Um, I really like it. <laughs> um, but speak, sticking with Disney, there's The Devil in Fantasia, which is great. Oh, that guy's great. Um, a TV show I really liked, I wouldn't say it's a great TV show. It's not like great TV, but I really liked it. was about 10 years ago was Reaper. Did you ever see Reaper? I never saw Reaper. Uh, it's about the devil, and he has a kid with some mortal, right? And mm -hmm. puts that kid in charge of capturing demons that have escaped hell. And it's a really fun show. Excellent. Um, Good Omens has a demon, which um, is a very attractive character. I love Good Omens. Um, yes, the demons in Terry Pratchett's Eric are attractive. I mean, they're stupid and they're horrible and they're awful, but they're kind of hilarious and stupid and, and folly-filled. Um, the devil in popular culture suggests that he does play some kind of foil, right? Like, if God is powerful and the devil's the opposite, then shouldn't the devil be a fool? Or if the devil is powerful and terrifying, and um, then we still need to, like stuff where the devil is really truly terrifying and there's nothing attractive about him, um, doesn't work. A because it's not interesting to watch, mm -hmm. but also I think because it's not truthful. If there's nothing attractive about Satan, there wouldn't be anything there. But the question is, how is he attractive? Mm -hmm. Well, I think that's one of the tricks, right? Yeah. Um, um, anthropomorphizing a bit. Yes. <laughs> Something where we don't know anything about. Mm -hmm. it, I mean, the idea of tricks is kind of part of the arsenal, right? It, and it goes in many differ different directions. Yes, making the things more attractive, you know, is mm -hmm. and is powerful. You know, my kids are watching. Uh, so, so we, there, there's a there. My family, part of my family is watching Supernatural right now. Uh. And one of the interesting things that it does is demonize angels and angelicize demons in mm. some ways. So mm -hmm. it makes, it brings them closer together. It humanizes them. Yeah. And that feels a bit like a trick. I mean, that isn't really something that is supported scripturally at all, right? Yeah. The scriptures describe a real us versus them situation. Which is hard hard to accept, right? Like, because on Earth, we don't see either or. Everybody is a shade of gray on Earth. There's no purely good people and purely bad people. And I think that's what makes this whole concept hard to understand. And I would imagine where a lot of skepticism comes from. Let's say the devil is the worst possible, right? Yeah. But if a third of the hosts of heaven went mm -hmm. with him, presumably presumably they were not all as bad as Satan and they get better and better and better until there's some line where the two-thirds of the host of heaven that didn't get cut off mm -hmm. and this is where like certain racist opinions have come from in the church like this this logical idea that everyone can't have been either perfectly good or perfectly bad suggests there must be a grayscale and if there's a grayscale then that raises all sorts of other questions which makes our understanding of eternity seem oversimplified yeah and I don't know how we should feel about that. Like maybe, maybe we're wrong, right? Maybe it was right or wrong at that point, and there was nothing in between. I mean, this is kind of why maybe they don't Greg teach. Maybe only in flesh. They don't teach this in Sunday school. They don't teach any. They don't te teach. Not much. I mean the. And I think that the right to not. Teach I think the Moses story is probably the only thing that is regularly covered when it comes up in Sunday school. How do you mean? Um. Well, when Moses meets the devil. Yeah. And I suppose the temptations of Jesus and, and maybe Job also, but... Um, no, I was meaning like grayness in commandments. Oh, I mean, oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, I'm saying that what we're taught in church is to is right and wrong, good and evil, right? Well, I don't know. This ties back into what I believe was our previous episode about the Word of Wisdom and other discretionary commandments. Yeah, two episodes ago. Yeah, uh, Two episodes ago. Um, 
So yeah, but also yeah. <laughs> I mean, in the in the U.S., it's not unusual to hear people say that you absolutely pay tithing on your gross income. Yeah. Because anything else is stealing from God. That, that's a pretty common thing to see. Not, not everybody does that, but it's yeah. a pretty common thing to hear yeah. someone say that. You will hear someone say that at some point. Yeah. Um, my understanding is in certain other countries where taxes are way higher than in the U.S., that that is not the way they think about it at all. Mm -hmm. Because if they paid on the gross, it would be a, an enormous percentage of their actual income. Which is why the temple recommended question is, do you pay tithing? Right, but... Um, not but if they're what, but we've just established that there's more than one way to say yes to that question and yeah. now all of a sudden the idea of no grayscale is yeah problematic and 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 to be fair I actually don't think this is what the church teaches no right I don't, yeah wrong, black black and white I think that they actually do teach um, the spirit right mm -hmm. I mean the spirit guides you to make good decisions. maybe a better way uh, he said authoritatively to make <laughs> your point Aaron is to look at primary and the way things are taught in primary yeah there isn't much devil in primary. There's not. You, you, nobody ever comes home from sunbeams with a red... Um, with a red pitchfork. A red pitchfork, yeah, talking about we learned about the devil today. Mm -hmm. uh, you think that's historically the case? I don't know. That's a very interesting question. Yeah, what did primary manuals look at like back yeah. in 1860? That, well, they were none, but... <laughs> well, fair enough. <laughs> uh, that's an interesting question because, I mean... Hmm. That's a very good question. But certainly that's the case now. Yeah. And it was the case when I was a kid. I yes. mean, when any but when 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 Sunday school lessons veered towards this topic, they were always shut down pretty quickly. And when people had genuine questions, they mm -hmm. were usually answered. But we're not going to spend time on this. We're just going to move on. I cannot remember a single real conversation about Satan ever in church. And, and which is fine. Yeah, again, like it's not our that's, we're, that's, not, we're not promoting more Satan. That's great. <laughs> I think we're only talking about it because it's interesting. <laughs> yeah, well, and I, I mean, the thing is, if Satan is what the average Latter-day Saint would say Satan is, mm -hmm. then he's a big deal. Yeah. And he is important. Mm -hmm. um, but the problem is, I don't know what the average Latter-day Saint actually thinks mm -hmm. because we don't talk about it. Mm -hmm. And we don't not talk about this in this... Uh, as you already pointed out, this isn't the same thing as not, not talking about Heavenly Mother when we probably should. Yeah. This is this is not talking about it because there's probably no good to come of it, really. There's no reason to, except yeah. that it's interesting. Yeah, and, and, and except that some people say, if you don't know about it, then you, can't, then you can't fight against it or something. But I don't know that that's... I mean, live a good life. You'll be fine. Yeah. Keep the commandments and you'll prosper in the land. If you are curious, in the Gospel Topics on LDS.org, there is an article on Satan, and it's not that long, but it tells you all the, everything that you really need to know. The adversary of the devil, the enemy of all righteousness, and those who seek to follow God, was once an angel in authority in the presence of God, but is not any longer. Took a third part, by the way. By the way a, third, a third part? A third part of the host of heaven, which isn't the same thing as a third. How do you interpret it? Nobody knows how to interpret it. But it doesn't say one-third. It says a third part. A third part. So where'd the second part go? And where's the first part? Yeah. Well, I'm <laughs> clearly part of the first part, Aaron. I don't want to speak for you. Another good article that's really fun to read is the Wikipedia article on Satan. It is awesome. There's really good art that goes through it. It talks about the history of the word, um, the, the name, the various names. It talks the about accuser, I saw the, the accuser. Out. Yeah, that's right. Um, it talks about the hilarious bits um, of how, how weird he was in the Middle Ages. Mm -hmm. And it talks about how the, ri the rise of the fear, right? Yeah. And how that led to <laughs> lots of really bad things happening. And it also talks about another religions like Islam and um, Baha'i. I'm, oh, I'm just going to, yeah, Baha'i. Yeah. And um, actual Satanism, which I skipped. <laughs> yeah. I'm, well, modern Satanism isn't really Satanism, right? It's like, it's more like a parody of religion generally. It's a religion for atheists who don't like the role religion oh, like the, plays in Like the flying spaghetti mo monster. Yes, it's very flying spaghetti monster-esque, mm. modern Satanism as a whole. Yeah. Um, so... There you go. There's a bit of rambling about our our enemy, as it were. I think so. Oh, go ahead. I think it's okay to 
be be frustrated at the devil. Yeah. I think that one of the things that I've always when I've not been when I've not been indifferent yeah. or vaguely terrified, I've been frustrated because his plan for mm-hmm. lack of a better word, which is that you know, we didn't talk about this one of the like it says in the gospel topics. Yeah. One of the central central issues at stake is agency versus non-agency, right? Sure. The great plan was that we would have agency and we would get to choose, but Satan would take it away and make everybody follow him. I just remember being frustrated that, why would you rebel? I mean, <laughs> this, this sounds fine. Let's, yeah. Let's do it this way. This is what God says. Do you really think that you're better? Well, history is written by the victor, Aaron. <laughs> That's what they say Satan wanted. <laughs> well, this go, this goes into the literature. Do you have any more fun stories to that you want to bring um, bring up? There's a, a great new book out called uh, King Lear. And there's more to the title. King Lear, Goatherd of the LaSalle's, I believe. It's by Stephen Peck. He's a BYU professor. He's an evolutionary biologist. We've talked about him on the program before. Um, his novel, King Lear, is great. And the narrator is a devil who is disenchanted with the whole uh, heavenly battle and has decided to more or less pull himself out of this and is just an observer of humanity now and he narrates the novel Um, and like any good demon he says a lot of things that are very true and like any good demon you have to be skeptical of his motives Um, I think in terms of literature this, this character of the devil is very useful because Nothing. Sometimes, sometimes people don't understand irony, right? You can tell a story and not mean a word of it, and some people will believe every word of it. Um, but as soon as you have a devil in there, and the devil's giving the lines, people know to be suspicious, and they know to complicate the story. Um, the Book of Job seems to have been written by more than one person. Like the the story proper seems to have been one author, and then the book ends with with the devil and God and, and all that chit-chat seems to be a different writer um, and adding a moral at the end and a couple things. Because I think the devil is most useful to us not as an adversary, not as someone to be worried about, but as a storytelling device. Like, if the devil says it, do you still feel the same way about it? Um, like in the story I mentioned, The Vision, when the devil meets Joseph Smith, the devil says things that phrase differently you or I would completely agree with but the way they're phrased it makes them very very ugly and you have to ask yourself well do I still believe this thing now that the devil said it or do I just not believe the way the devil says it? I think the devil is super useful um, but I also think he's potentially dangerous and for reasons I can't really articulate yeah like I, I don't really I do I'm not agree really afraid of the devil yeah but well I'm not either I yeah, but only because I've been given the shield <laughs> of knowledge, like of um, of understanding, right? I uh-huh. mean, there's the we can't we can't end a conversation about the devil without quoting First Corinthians ten thirteen, right? You know, there hath no temptation taken you, except that such as common as man, and even so, God is faithful and will with the temptation provide a way to escape, that you may be able to bear it. Right? Yeah. So there, so. He can't get you more than you can resist. I've, that's the lesson I always got. And it always made me less worried. I, thought, I found it very comforting. Um, I don't think that we can just say that he's a storytelling device, which I don't think that's no, what you were saying. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm, but I'm saying that I, that's how I think he's most useful. Yeah. And I don't think there's any reason to give him any more power than that. Um, what about... Sh- what about the, let's just end talking a bit about the linguistic tool that our leaders use in conference. Are we happy? The adversary, you mean? Yeah. The, um, just, the, just the references, you know, to it and saying... Um, no, I'm not. For exactly the reasons I think you should say Voldemort. Uh-huh. I think pussyfooting around these things make, gives them more power. Oh, that's not what I was referring oh, to. Oh, that's not what you're you, referring to. I'm actually fine with the use of you, you oh, okay. Like, I actually... I think saying the adversary as opposed to Satan is fine because it, I actually don't mind having the blow softened a bit here. Uh-huh. Yeah. 
But um, what about, I was referring to the general trend. What do you think about the linguistic tool of using the adversary in a general conference talk? So my personal opinion, and I want to be clear that this is my opinion, mm -hmm. and that this is not a universal statement applicable to all talks, but in general, I feel like it's lazy. Mm -hmm. I feel like instead of making um, the fuller claim on my spiritual desire to be good, you're dropping a threat instead, which is a less lasting form of motivation. Um, I think as a teenager, I did think about the devil a lot more than I do now, and I don't think it did me any good at all. Um, and maybe there are people for whom fear is a good motivator, but you know that doesn't sound very New Testamenty to me. Um, I. I'm not saying there's no place to talk about Satan or to bring him up, but as a general rule, as soon as someone brings up the adversary, I get a little suspicious of their talk, and um, sometimes it's hard to pull me back in. I just, I just, they lose me for a minute there. So you would recommend instead? Um, I would recommend giving me, motivating me to be a good person because I want to be a good person. And again, I'm not saying there's no way to do this. There, there have been talks that have brought up the devil in ways that. Um, I found very ingenuous. It's just a lot of times it feels like it's an easy line to throw. It's not, it's not an important part of the talk. It's just like, here's half a sentence that brings the devil into it. And I don't find that sufficient. Did you mean the word ingenuous? I did mean ingenuous, and yes. What? As oh. opposed to disingenuous. Ah. Yes. Like, um, I think it's usually disingenuous. <laughs> yeah. That's good. That's good use of the, of the fancy word. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'm generally in agreement with you. Um, I wonder if it isn't just um, a relic, a bit of a leftover. Just a verbal tick. Yeah, a kind of thing that's going to fade away. I would not be surprised. I wouldn't mind it if it when did. When was the last time you heard someone refer to old Nick? Um, never. Okay, it'll fade away. <laughs> <laughs> Although, if somebody mentioned old Nick, to warn me about Satan yeah. in general conversation, I would appreciate your, that a little bit that more. That would catch your eye. I'd be like, oh, okay. <laughs> You're going to use that in your next talk, aren't you? I think most people would think I was talking about Santa Claus. Yeah, old Saint Nick. Yeah. <laughs> One of the things we've mentioned on the show is that you can contact us, but we've never told you how. If you really wanted to contact us, you could find my house. Yeah. It's not a big secret. It's not. It's just there. On the I could tell you how to do it, but I'm not going to. Yeah. Um, Yes, but the easiest and most immediate way to contact me is through Twitter. If you are on Twitter, I am at Thmazing, T-H-M-A-Z-I-N-G. And I'm at Aaron Brewster. And our show is at Face and Hat. That is correct. Pretty much Twitter's the only way to do it. Twitter's, Twitter's the best way. We're a proud member of the Dialogue Podcast Network, a collective collection of independent, interesting podcasts that promote thoughtful, respectful, engaging inquiry and discussion of all aspects of the LDS tradition, thoughts, arts, and culture. Find out more at dialoguejournal.com slash podcatnetwork. All one word. That's all one word. All one word. Don't <laughs> split that up. Um, you might be interested in some of their latest episodes. You might be. Yeah. And if not, I think I might know why. Why? To quote 90s Christian ska band, The W's, mm -hmm. it's because you are the devil and you are bad. You are the devil and you are bad. You are the devil and the devil is bad. You are the devil and you are bad.